Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's installment of Covered, God dwells among his people in a tent structure, the tabernacle. He reveals more pieces of who he is in this moment and will invite us to trust him in all things. He will teach us when to be still and when to go. Humans desire permanent things, don't we? How many of you really want to live in a tent? <laughs> we have a hiker in our, in our church, everybody. Uh, most of us, though, prefer to have a four walls with, with blocks, blocks or concrete foundations, right? That we're not worried about the weather, we're not worried about things getting into us. So what we do is we, we build houses, right? Permanent structures. We like security in our relationships. We hope that we can count on our friend or our spouse or our family members for the rest of our lives, right? We don't want friends that are here and then not here. We don't want people in our lives that won't be with us through the difficulty. We also like to have security when it comes to resources. How many of us would prefer to have enough in the bank to cover if something terrible were to happen, right? Most of us prefer that, right? Humans have a craving for security, have a craving for something that's permanent. Have, we need to be, we need stability, right? That's something that we do. And it's funny because we, at our lives, are anything but stable. Maybe that's why we crave the stability, right? At any point, our lives could literally change on a dime or our lives could end. We crave this stability, this security, this assurance that things are going to be okay. And when it comes to God, we also sometimes can do this. We can think, ah, I have figured out who God is, and that's exactly, exactly who he's going to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I feel very secure in this moment, right? God never changes. He's the same yesterday, day, today, and forever. Think of all of these different kinds of verses that you receive in Scripture. And then yet, the last week, as we started this series, we discovered that God's name is not... I look like this at all times or anything like that. I will be who I will be. I am who I am. I was who I was. God is this big God that is actually too big to put into a box. Too big maybe even to fully understand ourselves. Right? God is way bigger than what we can really construct in our own mind. That might make us nervous. (laughs) That might make us nervous. And so today, as we move forward in the Old Testament, we're still going to be in the book of Exodus. Uh, We'll be in chapter 40 if you want to turn there now or get your phones out and get ready for that. It will be on the screen for you. But as we move forward in Exodus, God understands the human the human desire for security. 
He understands this. And today, he accommodates humanity in a really specific way, and yet at the same time, allows, it allows him to be who he is. So just to catch you up real quick, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, last week, we discovered a God who comes to a people, Israel. He saves Israel, he gives them a covenant, but he comes to them in clouds. You can't see him. He's in clouds like this crazy, violent storm, and he meets them on a mountain. And on this mountain, he, he sets, up the, sets up some things, but the things that we learned about God is that you can't control him. He comes to us on his own terms. It's not like we can approach him. No, he's the one who approaches us first. And, uh, and last but not least, he does things his own way. <laughs> That whole concept of God is God and I am not really came forth last week. Well, after he meets them on the mountain, he gives them a covenant, the Israelites a covenant. He says, I want you to be my people. This is how you be my people. Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments before? Right? Ten Commandments. This is how you be my people. Worship me, not other gods. Don't kill each other. Don't steal from each other. Don't bear false witness. All these things. These are the ways that you are like me, essentially. Moses, the leader of Israel at this moment, goes up and gets the covenant and comes down the mountain, and guess what? <laughs> Israel is a little unsure about God still. So you know what they do? They construct a golden calf. They need something secure. They, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can worship an idol, not this God who says he is who he is. Okay, and he's terrifying, and he's behind this cloud, and all these different kinds of things. We need security. And so they stop being his people in, in the moment as he's saying, be my people. Moses is mad. He throws the tablets to the ground. They, they break. And then God gently forgives, and Moses goes back up and reinstates the covenant with God. He comes back down and he says, here it is. Let's start living into this. And that's when God begins to give new instructions to the people in how to worship him. And that's what, where we are today. We receive the instructions from God of how this people will worship this God and how he responds in different ways. So Exodus chapter 40, beginning with verse 1, it will be on the screen for you as well. The Lord spoke to Moses, set up the meeting tent dwelling on the first day of the first month. Place the chest containing the covenant inside the dwelling. Hide the chest from view with the veil. Bring in the table and arrange its items. Bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar for burning incense in front of the chest containing the covenant. Set up the screen at the dwelling's entrance. Put the altar for entirely burned offerings in front of the entrance to the meeting tent dwelling. Put the wash basin between the meeting tent and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard all around. Hang up the screen at the courtyard gate. Then take the anointing oil and anoint the dwelling and everything in it. Make holy the dwelling and all its equipment, and it will be holy. 
Anoint the altar for entirely burned offerings and all its equipment. Make the altar holy, and the altar will be most holy. Anoint the wash basin with its stand and make it holy. You're thinking to yourself, goodness, that's a lot of instructions. What does all of this mean? Why in the world are you reading through all this? We'll get to it, okay? How does Moses respond? In verse 16, we read, Moses did everything exactly as the Lord commanded him. And then if you skip down to the second half of verse 33, we read how God responds to setting up this tent, this tabernacle. This is how God responds. When Moses had finished all the work, the cloud covered the meeting tent, and the Lord's glorious presence filled the dwelling. Moses couldn't enter the meeting tent because the cloud had settled on it, and the Lord's glorious presence filled the dwelling. Whenever the cloud rose from the dwelling, the Israelites would set out on their journeys, but if the cloud did not rise, then they didn't set out until the day it rose. The Lord's cloud stayed over the dwelling during the day with lightning in it at night, clearly visible to the whole household of Israel at every stage of their journey. What's the purpose of these very specific instructions that God gives to Moses and and? we didn't read this part, but also to those who would be considered priests. He not only sets up a dwelling place, he also sets up the priesthood in this moment. But we're going to focus on this dwelling place, this tabernacle, this meeting tent. The purpose of all of these instructions and for Moses to do exactly as he is told is so that the people of Israel have a place to encounter God, a place where they can come near to the God who has saved them and worship him. Exodus starts with the people of Israel in slavery, not fully understanding who their God is, and it ends with them coming to a place where they have encountered God and God is going to be with them continuously. And this dwelling place is, well, an olive branch. This dwelling place is meeting Israel where they are. What do you mean God is who he wants to be? What do you mean that he's, he's covered himself in a cloud? I can't see him. I am very, I'm not sure if I can really trust this God. So he gives them something physical, something that they can live into to draw near to this God, something that gives them structure, something that feels secure. In church, we call it liturgy. He gives them a way to approach this God who is wholly other, who is bigger than anything that they've ever experienced before, who is bigger than a tent, who is bigger than a building, who is bigger than the nation that they are, is bigger than the world. He's saying, here, I know this is a lot. Here is something where I can meet you right where you are to worship me. 
Walter Brueggemann says it this way, the culmination of this elaborate preparation is the coming of the glory of the Lord, which takes up residence in the tabernacle. It is possible to host the holiness of Yahweh. And in this tradition, the purpose of life is communion with Yahweh, a genuine, real, impalpable presence. Why has God saved these people? To begin a relationship with them, to be in communion with them. And so he meets them where they are. This is a little much. I am the God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer. I am who I am. I'm going to meet you in this little tiny tent. That way you can know I am with you. That I am indeed who I say I am. God wants to be with his people and he gives a way for it to happen. But I want us to take a moment to recognize the nature of the dwelling place that he has given them. Does God give them a grandiose, ginormous building with foundations that go deep into the ground with four walls that cannot be penetrated by a number of things? No. He gives them a tent, a tabernacle in some translations. And what is a tent made from? Canvas. I could bore you with how many different canvases there are and all these different kinds of things. We could get into this whole ginormous thing. That's not the point of this. The point of it is that they have made a dwelling place for the God of the universe to come and dwell into, and he covers himself with canvas. Canvas, which, like clouds, can be walked through. If you put a sheet up, right, what can you do? You can just walk right through this. Not a big deal. There is an accessibility here. And all of these other things, the lampstand, the, the wash basin, the altar, all of these different kinds of things, are, are movements for the people of God to be in the right mindset to receive God. In other words, you come up to the tabernacle and you don't just go in to visit God like you go in to visit mom or dad or your family member. One must prepare themselves. And so these, this canvas is a place with each step. They move towards God and open themselves with humility to receive who God is. That's why there is a veil covering the Holy of Holies. And that's why there is a screen or another piece of canvas in front of the doorway of the outer part of the tabernacle. And then there's another screen on the outside of the tabernacle. Essentially, what God has said is, when you come to me, be ready to experience me. Be, be humble. Receive me as I am. 
But if you're not ready for it, we're going to make sure that you don't die. <laughs> because if you continue to read within Scripture, you will find that it was believed and it was seen a number of times when people were not ready to experience God, when they hadn't gone through washings, when they hadn't humbled themselves, when they had not confessed, they looked at God and they dead like that. Boom, gone. So the screen, the veil, the canvas is there so that they are protected, but also that they would be completely prepared whenever they experience him. Make sense? Nicole Wilkinson Duran says this, the veil as protection from divine power echoes a general fear of seeing the face or glory of God, like the veil that shields the Ark of the Covenant and the holiest area of the temple. If you're going to approach this God, humble yourself. Prepare yourself. And he has given all the ways to do this. That's what all the lampstands, all the altars, all the wash basins, all of those things are about. Again, we're not going to, that's not what our focus is, but that is why those are there. So God meets in this dwelling place as people approach him with humility and being cleansed and sanctified and all these different kinds of things. But did you notice also another reason why the tabernacle is made from canvas? It's not just to give them a space to worship God. It's also so it can be torn down and taken other places because this God doesn't just hang around in one spot. <laughs> did you notice that at the very end? Whenever the cloud would rise from the dwelling, the Israelites would set out on their journeys. God is going to be who he's going to be, and he's going to go to places where he desires to go, and he wants his people to come with him. So this tabernacle made of canvas is portable. This thing can go wherever he goes, and they are to follow the cloud wherever it goes. Because God, hanging out on a mountain or hanging out in a building, is not God's thing. <laughs> he likes to move. How many of you are like that? That's sort of me. I, I'm, I'm sort of like that. God is a transient God. He's not a God that says, oh, build me the greatest temple and I'm going to hang out here from here until kingdom come. No, he goes and he moves. Brueggemann says this, God yearns to be an available place for Israel, but this God is always on the move. Israel wants a safe, space, a safe place, which God gives him th them that, but must be on the way, powered by a promise yet unfulfilled. So God can be still, and God can move. And these people, to worship him, to dwell with him, are to do as he does. To come and go as God comes and goes. Now you might be thinking to yourself, why does this matter? Why does a canvas tent 
that the Israelites worshipped in, in thousands of years ago have anything to do with us? You might think that, does this really have anything to do with us? Well, it shows us, and throughout Scripture, a number of attributes about God. Even though he is covered by canvas, it shows us some attributes of him. For one, God is willing to meet us where we are. He understands that we have some needs, some help, that security that you might say, that we desire. And he meets us where we are and gives us ways to worship him, gives us ways to encounter him, gives us ways to draw near to him. For us who live in 2022, after Christ, God has come near in Jesus Christ. He has shown us completely who God is. And after Jesus finished his life here on earth, he sent the Holy Spirit that the God isn't not just a God of a tabernacle or a mountain or a temple, but God legitimately goes with us everywhere. He draws near to us first and we approach him with humility and he transforms us and allows us to live as he wants us to live. So God, I got a slide for this one, God gives us, meets us where we are and gives us ways to draw near to him. So if you've ever felt like God is totally unapproachable or you have to have everything perfect for God, not true. God comes to you first. He's been near to you for so long and he gives you a way to move forward. We have to humble ourselves. We have to say, God, you're God and I'm not. Right? We have to recognize that we can't live life without God. We must move into a space to receive him. But we also have to recognize that God moves in other ways. God is bigger than a tabernacle. God is bigger than you or me. God is bigger than this church. God is bigger than the church institution. God moves in this world as he desires. And so as God has given us particular ways to encounter him and draw near to him, he also is working in other places, in other, in other ways that we might not be ready for, that we might not have a context for. If you've ever experienced God in a particular way, like a service or a revival or in a group or during a song or all of these different kinds of things, you know what you can do? You can latch on to that and say, oh, this is how God moves. Don't get too attached because God might move in a way that is completely different than what you've experienced before. And when he moves, we have to be willing to be like Israel and pack it up and go where he's going. That was the problem about Jesus, y'all. 
all of, all of the first century Jews were thinking, oh, the Messiah is going to look like this, and he's going to show up here in this temple and all these different kinds of liturgical things. And where did Jesus show up? With the poor, with the oppressed, with those in desperate need of love and forgiveness. God was doing something over here, and they were like, no, no, this is not what the Messiah does. Oh, yes, it is. You've forgotten that I am a God that moves. I don't stay in one spot. I move and do amazing things. So for us, we need to come to the realization that God also moves us forward in our lives, and we must allow him to guide us. We have to be willing to be humble, not just in worship in spaces like this, but humble in every moment for God to lead us in our relationships, lead us in our work, our schools, all of the places that we find ourselves. To try to put flesh on this, let me share with you just a little bit of how this would look like in the relationships that we have. Who has perfect relationships with every single person in your life? None of us do. None of us do. And sometimes one of the most difficult parts about relationships is going through differences, going through conflicts, going through uh, just difficulties together. And what we can do in our relationships is we can lean upon ourselves and guide ourselves in ways that can be very detrimental correct? We can say the things when we're mad and it hurts the other person really badly and we immediately regret it, right? Or we can, we can get complacent and we spend time with something else. Sometimes, like, I mean, my wife and I were talking about this last night. She's like, when we retire, will we still play video games? Because we're millennials, and we grew up with video games, and we still have video games in our household. I'm 36. I still play a video game here or there. She's like, are we going to be like that first generation that's sitting on a train, traveling, or a plane? We'll have a Nintendo Switch in our, in our hands. I'm like, maybe. I don't know. Right? But we, those things can get in the way of our relationships, can they not? Games or hobbies or even more menacing and evil things, right? In these moments, when we have to address these things in our relationships, there are better times and there are better postures and better attitudes to enter into those conversations than maybe when we are upset, right? And I cannot tell you how many times in some relationships that I've had, I have prayed about a conflict, and I'm a person who is, let's, let's figure this out, let's get it done with, let's resolve this immediately. No, 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 no. Hey, God, help me with this. Okay, don't do anything. No! Drives me nuts. I want to I resolve the conflict immediately. That's who I am. Wait. I can't tell you, I've had miracles happen. In a, like, I've had a conflict. All right, I'm going to go talk to this person. And then legitimately on my way to calling or talking to that person, somebody else just shows up. <laughs> no, you need to do this immediately. But I was going to go. No, just stop it. 
you're not in a place to talk in love. You're not in a place to speak peace into somebody's life. God will lead you when he leads you, and we have to be humble enough to trust him in that. In other words, I think God says this to us continuously, and it's one of the hardest things for, to, for us to really discipline ourselves. Be still when I am still. Go when I lead you. Do you hear that? Some of us need to hear that today. God says to us, be still when I am still. Don't ram it through. Let me work in ways that you don't even know what are happening. And go when I lead you. One of the pieces of our life together as a church, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever heard it this way, but this moment right here and right now is a moment to be still, to receive God, to be reminded of who he is. And as God leads you from this place, he will lead you in your circumstances and in your difficulties. This is a moment that we, we seek God in scripture, we seek God in prayer and worship. We have liturgy just like the Israelites did. And we humble ourselves in this moment to receive him, to encounter him. And as we go, we're able to see where God is working in ways that we didn't see before. Be still when I am still. Go when I lead you. At the beginning, I shared with you our desires for security. And the beautiful thing is that God meets us where we are to give us a sense of that. He doesn't give it completely. He's hanging out in a tabernacle. He's going to move. He's going to be portable. All these different kinds of things. And I was thinking, what is a time in, in the modern day that we really have to recognize... Um, that comfort and security of, of a dwelling place can't be our end goal for everything. And it's actually in hiking. If you've ever gone hiking in a way where you have a backpack and you have to have food with you and hopefully you have a tent with you, right? The time that you begin to wonder if you are going to get to the place that you need to is whenever the light begins to fade for the day. And you might know exactly where you are, and, but you know the hike went longer than you expected it to go or whatever it might be. I think about the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail not only has places where you can set up camp, but it also has lodges on the way. Like, you can be going and going and going. You'll come across a road, and right there, that lodge is there, particularly for Appalachian, Appalachian Trail hikers, okay? Now, if you're, if you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, and it's, well, now we're in daylight savings, so it's getting close to 7, 7.30, right? And the, the sun is now behind that mountain. It's getting darker, and you know that just, Two to five miles, we'll say five miles. Five miles ahead of you is a nice lodge that has a bed that's warm and everything. Let's walk, let's hike as, as fast as possible. Don't do it. 
Because if you are still hiking when you lose light, you are far more likely to find yourself in trouble. The amount of odds, your security goes way down when that sun is down. One, you can veer off the trail and be somewhere else. You can encounter some nocturnal animals who are, you know, or you could just simply not see that branch and severely hurt your ankle or your leg, all of these things. So when you hike and you're getting close to, to nighttime, it is better just to say, okay, I understand that, that that lodge is only five miles away, but it's better for me to build a fire, set up my tent, and sleep. With God, <laughs> God is like, well, We've heard this before. God is like the sun. He brings light into our lives. And sometimes, sometimes we're willing to travel into darkness without him in our relationships, in our circumstances, instead of allowing him to lead us. It's better to set up the tent and be still with God. Pray, worship, love him, and then then you can address or move forward in your life. Which leads me to the last point. God meets you where you are. But it's too good. He's too good to leave you where you're at. So trust him. Yeah, God's going to meet you right where you are. God meets you right where you are in your sin. God meets you right where you are in your difficulty. God meets you right where you are in your suffering. Trust him. He will lead you out of sin. He will lead you out of suffering. He will lead you in all the ways that are holy. But you have to trust him. And humble yourself and allow him to lead. God meets you where you are, but it's too good to leave you where you're at. May we follow him into every aspect of our lives. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.